you know, there's just no like secret sauce to it. You just put something out that is genuinely your own that you want to do. This applies everywhere to everything and uh, be consistent with it. Give it time to see where it goes. Speaking of things that are genuinely our own that we want to do, it's our conversation with Giuseppe Castellano, our guest today on You May Contribute a Verse. I'm Josh Munkin, children's lit author, father, science communicator, and podcaster, joined by Brenna Jenneret, children's lit author, mother, avid climber, and outdoors person, and podcaster. This is the podcast You May Contribute a Verse, where we talk to kid lit creators, share their stories, and learn from their journeys. Some things are worth waiting for. Our conversation today touches on that in more ways than one. Today's guest is Giuseppe Castellano, founder of the illustration department, a multifaceted enterprise focusing on encouraging and developing illustrators around the world through online learning and mentorship in a variety of areas. Giuseppe also hosts the illustration department podcast, so you know he's bringing the professionalism goods to this conversation. And he's got the bona fides credentialed in illustration and having worked as an art director for Penguin and Simon & Schuster for close to 15 years. Giuseppe and I have been working toward this conversation for two years, and I am overjoyed to finally be able to share it. Quick content advisory, however, the three of us discuss at length Giuseppe's battle with severe depression and the struggle to keep on going and keep on flowing down that river toward better days, despite the despair, rejection, hardship, and other obstacles we encounter along the way toward our goals. Find out more about Giuseppe Castellano, the illustration department, and the ID podcast at one link, illustrationdept.com. Here is Giuseppe Castellano's verse. Also, I was um, going to say, don't drink too much before the podcast, right? Because that's my problem. I'm like, oh, shoot, like I really have to go to the bathroom now, but I can't go because, because or like, I'm three, shots, I'm three shots in. I'm not going to make it an hour. Right, <laughs> that type right, of drinking. So don't fall asleep. Yeah, definitely. Well, well, but, but you can use that as a positive because if you have to pee, then you just, you know, you're like, all right, yeah, you, you know what? It's it the end. Sorry, it's the end of the episode. <laughs> you know, got to go. See, right? So, you know, give me something poignant to leave the uh, listeners with and I'm out. And then I, you know, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> you know, speaking right. of poignant, yeah. so I, I know Josh also, like we both just listened to the episode that you did with Betsy Bird because mm-hmm. we're having her on our podcast in a couple I of weeks, which that. I'm stupidly excited about. I cannot wait to talk to her. She's like, the all-time best, like, funniest woman oh, in Kidlet. Sure. I'm so excited. Yeah. But, I mean, you did a great job with, like, being really succinct and then ending with, like, a really good sort of, like, bomb for people, like an advice bomb. It was yeah. very good. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, she's great. And uh, I I feel like I went on a journey with you guys because I've been listening to episodes of yours just to, you know, bone up a little. And uh-huh. uh, in one of your episodes, I think it was Josh? Either, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Josh um, who said something along the lines of, gosh, it would be great if we had Betsy Bird on the podcast. If you're listening, <laughs> Betsy, and then no, maybe Brenna, you said that. And then Josh said, oh, if only or something like that. Yeah, it was definitely me. Yeah, because I'm a huge fan. And I was yeah. just like, if I name drop her enough, maybe we can tag her and see if yeah. she'll come on. That's it our only took once. Yep. Yeah. You got you got to visualize, you know, you just got to yes. you know, speak it into the universe. 
Well, our first episode of the year with Gerald Connors. Uh, yeah, we talked about manifesting and how how real that mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. Uh, especially when we're in this connectivity world. Shoot your yeah. shot and see what you can get. Yeah, listen to that one too. Yeah, totally. Because so, we I can only say no. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. or nothing. Oh, yeah. for sure. I've learned that. One of, the, <laughs> one of the harder lessons of being a podcast host, it was for me, and it still is, um, interviewing, uh, uh, inviting folks onto the podcast. And then they either ghost or they say no. And uh, at first it really hit hard for me, you know, because like maybe we can talk about this later. I don't know. But like rejection and abandonment are two things that really affect me. <laughs> um, and You're the wrong way to work. I believe me. Right. Trust me. I know that. So, you know, it's like, how can they not want to talk to me? What's wrong with me? You know, and um, but, I, you know, it's getting better getting better yeah i've now i've yeah. now just been like you know what i'm gonna ask i don't care they're gonna say no and i don't care i'm just gonna ask them and yeah what's out. what's the worst that can happen except for feeling sheepish we had that with somebody who i i, I won't name drop that they, t- they turned us down because that's that's the wrong look but you get it you know at a yeah. certain point right. you have to sort of like filter out your opportunities sure i've had someone Whoa. who uh who i i care for deeply and, and we have a very lovely relationship and I asked that person to be on the podcast and they wrote back and they were like, oh my God, super enthusiastic about this. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Great. And a week before the recording, they emailed me and just really kind of like, kind of tersely just said, uh, I, I don't want to be on the podcast anymore. Boop. Thanks. You know, thanks again. Hope you're well. Take care. Hope your family's yeah. good. You know? you know, that is where a co-host really comes in handy because I don't take it personally. I'm like, oh, it must be Josh. Like they're just interested <laughs> because <laughs> just voice the blame. <laughs> uh, no, perfect. I'm just teasing, but it it is. I mean, it is great to have a partner for so many reasons. But the rejection is more like, you know, yeah, it's like a joint. Like we're carrying it together, and it's not so much like, mm. oh, this was yeah. just me. They rejected. It's like, no, it's fine, and like we'll have other people, and it's not. You know, it's not as big as a deal. But like, yeah, let's talk more about rejection, though, please, because that is like oh. the cornerstone of every illustrator writer's, you know, oh. career. I mean, it's just like, you know, you can't get away from it. You know, you can't. You can't. And everyone gets rejected. That's the thing. It's we talk about this a lot on the podcast, and and you guys have talk, have touched on it in your podcast. Everyone gets rejected all up and down the chain. Everyone, even the publisher gets rejected when they present a book to the marketing team and they think, oh man, this is a slam dunk. And the marketing team gives them crickets. And then the book doesn't really do all that well because the marketing team isn't isn't as behind the book as the publisher wanted them to be. That's a rejection. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you know, the thing with rejection is, and again, I, t- I maybe I talk about way, talk about this way too much on the podcast. It is not the correct word. It just isn't the right word. We're all using the wrong word and we're all beating ourselves up over it. So stop using the incorrect word and use the correct word. And that is, it's a pass. It's just a pass. That's it. It's just a pass. Reject, reject rejection. Reject rejection. Thank <laughs> <Yes>. you. <laughs> Met rejection. <laughs> and I find that what's interesting to me is that what I find interesting is that is uh, who hasn't been rejected? You know, it's like, it, right. well, it's not new to you. It's not new. It's not new to the process. Everyone has been rejected. Robert McCloskey of Make Way for Ducklings fame, rejected. Don Freeman, rejected. Marsha Brown, Arnold Lobel, (laughs) Ludwig Bemelmans. uh, My, like, if I were to go back in time, best friend, uh, well, I don't know if she would be my best friend. I think she would probably not like me as Beatrix Potter. (laughs) 
I would, I would, I would fawn over her and she'd be like, who the hell is this crazy guy? A um, friend of she, me. Perfect. You know? So like, imagine Peggy Rathman. I mean, it goes on and on. Just imagine if they had all taken that rejection to heart and essentially said, you know what? That editor, that random editor that I've never met in my life mm-hmm. who didn't connect with my work was right. Sandra Boyton, another one. So like, you know, oh hippos gosh. go berserk, Peter Rabbit, uh, Corduroy, you know, right. Frog and Toad. Imagine a world in which we don't have those books because they had essentially said, you know what? Screw this. I'm out. Well, so that is that is like the perfect segue to talk about, you know, your own rejection and your own sort of, you know, you had a bout of depression that you went through and then you came out the other side. And now you have this amazing company. You're giving back to the community. You've got this podcast like it's, you know, the rebuilding that you have done is incredible. And I just I just want to say real quick too. this reminded me last night I was listening to um, a New York Times article on Margaret Weiss Brown, the one that just came out, which you may have seen. But they made a really good, there there was a quote in there from her, or not, sorry, not a quote from her. They made a point about saying she was the most productive in her life when she was also at her most um, fragile. Like she was, you know, in a rough relationship, she was getting Mm -hmm. rejected. And it's very interesting how those two sort of overlap a lot. Like you Mm -hmm. sort of dive into that creative process to Mm -hmm. come out the other side or as therapy or to deal with all of that rejection. So, or with all of those passes. So, sure. um, yeah. So if you, if you could talk a little bit about, you know, what art did for you and how you came out the other side from all of that, that would be, I would love to hear about that. Sure. Um, really quickly about Margaret Wise Brown. Yeah. Um, the way she died is, I mean, look it up. It's, um, I'm going to get, I might get this, I might get some details wrong, but basically she, she went to the doctor, she had something checked out and mm-hmm. she was feeling good you know, on the other side of whatever was ailing her, she was improving. Mm-hmm. And uh, she like did a, like a high kick, like, yeah, I'm getting better. And that yep. high kick dislodged a clot or something and yeah. killed her. Yeah. Straight to the brain. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause, I, yeah, cause I, I just listened to it yesterday. And so all the facts are like fresh in my brain. Yeah. She was on a vacation by herself in France and she went in for emergency surgery, which they don't know if it was something to do with, um, uh, um, appendicitis or there was something else they couldn't they didn't they couldn't pinpoint it but they were about to release her to her friend's house to you know continue recovery and yeah she did like a can-can step and like did like a kick like look at me <laughs> like i'm great and she yeah. like yeah just lost this clot went to her brain killed her dead like yeah. oh, what at 42 right. like she wasn't even that old so oh my gosh yeah wow all right, this is all news to me. You guys are dropping these bombs on me. But the way that I tie it in is don't worry about rejection because you never know what's going to happen. 100%. Shoot your shot while you can. 100%. Yeah. I mean, Barbara McCloskey was just a Barbara McCloskey. Barbara McClintock. Yeah, Robert McCloskey and Barbara McClintock had a baby and it's now Barbara McCloskey. Um, but Barbara McClintock, which would, by the way, that artwork would be insane. Uh, she had a, she wrote and illustrated a book and, uh, you know, pass it around like everybody does and, um, was rejected what 15 times first 15 publishers rejected, rejected quote, rejected her. And then the 16th okay. publisher said, yeah, let's do it, man. And that book won a New York times best illustrated award that year. And then her career took off. I'll give you one more rejection and then we'll move on to the depression thing. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that feels appropriate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, really. I know it's perfectly tied in. Uh, Norman Bridwell, you know, Clifford, who doesn't know Clifford? 
he right. was down and out. He had two months of no work. He had a young family he was trying to support, lived in New York. And uh, his wife suggested that he maybe put together a portfolio of artwork that could that looked like children's book artwork that you know maybe could be a children's book illustration. And so he did. He spent a weekend putting a portfolio together, went around to half a dozen publishers, and no one really cared. And one editor said, well, there's this, what's this little spot illustration of a little girl and a giant dog? What's that? That's interesting. You know, I, I don't know if anyone's going to hire you as an illustrator, but if you write something, then maybe they'll allow you to illustrate what you write. So he went home and a couple of days later wrote Clifford, passed it around, was rejected a bunch, and then Scholastic picked it up. And then the rest is history. You know, now, so you just, now a major motion picture <laughs> and now, right. Well, we don't, we don't want to talk about that, and, <laughs> but you know, with the, you know, the depression thing. I mean, I'm going to try and make this really short, but basically sure. several years ago, I, uh, I was plunged into a very deep, dark, nightmarish depression. And, uh, it's, it started, I mean, when the first month of it, I didn't eat at all. I lost 30 pounds. Oh my gosh. I was like 215 <laughs> when it started and I was around 175 when I started eating again. And I didn't get out of bed. My wife would make sure that I ate something. And uh, she got those like, uh, what are those like nu nutrition drinks, like Ensure? Yeah, Ensure, and, yeah. Yeah, so chocolate Ensure which I can't taste now. I, I can't even, I don't even want to look at those, but yeah. you know, and to, just to kind of like keep me uh, nourished somewhat. Anyway, so the first week of January of that year of 2018, I, I my sister-in-law who's who works on Wall Street sent us to Mexico, my wife and I, for a week just to maybe a change of scenery would just help stab me out of it. And while we were in Mexico, my wife said to me, you know, you should do, start a podcast. And the, I mean, I'm not kidding. The first words that popped up in my brain were Kelly light. I was like, well, definitely Kelly light's going to be my first guest. So, and then we put together a little bit of a plan, you know, what, what are we going to call it? And uh, who are the first five guests? And that was in January. So I came home and had two therapists, very supportive family, very supportive friends and the illustration department. And one night we were sitting on the front stoop, my wife and I drinking wine. And she said to me, you know, there's nothing you can really do except put good out into the world. That's all you can really do. That's all you can really control. And it, I took it to heart. And so with that, plus therapy, plus yoga, plus running, plus the illustration department, plus helping folks see their objectives through, whether it's signing with an agent or just improving their portfolio little by little, um, things got better. And I think the thing that helped the most was time. You know, I think that's not, that's not, it's not something that people want to spend a whole lot of these days, especially these days, but you have to, if you're feeling this way, even if it's not to the point where you're on literally on the edge, but just feeling anxious after maybe a couple of rejections or depressed or whatever, feeling PTSD, like any, any kind of mental illness, give it time. I mean, gift yourself the time for your mind and your body to heal because inevitably, and I did not believe this 
then. I absolutely, if someone said to me, just give it time, you will get better. I would have been like, you know, I'm not going to keep, I'm going to keep this G rated. I would have been, you know, like, you know, to heck with you. Um, but it is true. It's true. And so the illustration department, art, you know, helping, talking about art. I started the, an Instagram feed that a month later and um, I started Googling illustrators' lives from the past and gave my brain something to do. And so it wasn't always thinking about harming itself, but like, oh, gee, so Eric Carl worked in advertising. That's interesting. Let me write about that. And so that, and just little by little, it just kind of over the years has grown into, <laughs> into what it is now. And, and, and my wife, Sarah and I, to this day, we, we, again, we, we don't sit on a stoop anymore. We now sit on a porch and talk about it and, and, and kind of marvel at the fact that we actually run a successful business. Cause I, I promise you, I don't, I didn't go to business school. I, I got into it kicking and screaming. I did not want to be on my own as an entrepreneur, but you know, you do what you do, you do what you have to do. So that's to answer a very long winded way of answering your question. That's basically how art saved my life. There have been times, there have to have been times where you felt yourself getting dragged back into that mindset. I mean, the times in my life and everybody's life when we feel Definitely. this way, it's, it's, it's hard to jumpstart yourself out of that. And there are very easy ways for you to pull yourself back in. I mean, you credited it yourself. It's the support network and it's the fact that you had something to do and deliver on now. Mm -hmm that yeah. uh that it helped you i mean not to put words in your mouth but that's uh, true but but having something to focus on other than that it seems to have been what really helped you out yeah and you know you know i give all all the credit really goes to sarah i mean it was you know over time i started i got back into you know and all the while you know i woke up in the morning i took my kids to school i made sure they had breakfast i made sure they got dressed and made sure when they came home that their homework was done and you know, we, we made sure that nothing changed from their perspective. I can't imagine they didn't notice, but we, we worked really hard to make mm -hmm. sure they didn't. Um, so, you know, you know how it is. Like once your kids are around you, you flip the parent switch. So whatever it is that you're feeling, it's secondary. You got to make sure your kids are, kids are cool, you know? Um, but Sarah, when I could not flip that switch, Sarah was there and she didn't, she, she took it over, you know? Um, but yeah, you just, if you just, you know, just, there's always someone out there. This is something else I learned I, back, you know, when you, when you have a mental illness, when your brain convinces you that this is reality, that no one loves you, that there's something wrong with you or whatever, whatever it is that triggers it. Um, the reality is that there's always going to be somebody who's going to deeply miss your presence if you go down that route. And and there's always someone who's going to care for you or who cares for you and just doesn't quite know how to help you. And that's something else that I also learned was, was you know, there, <laughs> there, I had all kinds of advice, you know, you know, just snap out of it. Oh, it's fine. You know, dep depression, come on. Um, but I think the best piece of advice was literally just hang in there. Just hang in there. It will get better. Is, is that why you're so public about that struggle? Definitely. I mean, the fact that, 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 that it, it helps for people to hear that over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And every time you say it, it reaches somebody new. Yeah. And it was hard. 
I didn't for a very long time. I felt very scared to share it um, for reasons I, I don't want to get into, honestly. But uh, once I did, oh, my God, the relief. Oh, my goodness. And what I found interesting was, you know, and this is obvious, once you share this very personal thing about especially depression, but really any kind of challenge, life challenge, of course, there's someone else who's going to connect with it. Of course, there is. And I've, I've, you know, one of the, I love all of my podcast episodes, like <laughs> children. I love all of them <laughs> equally. Don't anyone feel bad. <laughs> um, but the, one of my favorite ones was with John Cuneo, who is a portraitist, editorial illustrator, and he also lives with depression. And he and I had a very long conversation about it. And to this, and that was a year, I don't know how long ago it was. I still get emails from people going like, Hey, I just wanted to let you know, I got, I listened to the John Cuneo episode and oh my God, thank you so much for talking about it. Yeah. Talk about it. Of course it's normal. I mean, it's, it's part of how we live. I mean, you know, one of the things I, I also notice too is with all the, the especially with the publishing, you know, getting into publishing and all of that stuff <laughs> with the rejection from agents and things, it's like illustrators are just in writers are just people and have you can't be an illustrator and a writer and a, an aspiring to published person out in a vacuum, you know, all of it, all of it. I mean, you know, like Brenna, you have other, you have other things you do, you know, you go hiking, you have other interests, you know, Josh, you have other, you have so much, you have a diverse background and like that all feeds into what it is you do creatively. So including the bad stuff. And I think that's another thing too, with like, I don't want, honestly, I don't even want to get into social media, but like the, the, everyone compares themselves to other people. And what's interesting about that, you cannot compare yourself to how other people are living because it's not real. Who posts their worst drawings and paintings up on Instagram and goes, Oh God, this sucks. Right. What do you guys think? No one does that. <laughs> yeah. right. You know, it's like, Oh, you know, they, they post like they, post these really wonderful, beautiful illustrations and say, oh, I did this in 10 minutes. No, you didn't. But, you, but you know, I, I was at, a, you know, we had dinner once with uh, friends of ours who had kids and it was lovely, but it was also stressful because all of our kids were really little and it was stressful and mm -hmm. not that enjoyable ultimately. But, you know, you take the pictures and it's cute and there's like a fun little like thing. And then the, 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 my friend posted the picture on Instagram. I was like, I had a great, had a great afternoon. And everyone's like, oh my God, it's so cute. But I know the reality of it. It sucked. You know, yeah. our kids were all over the place. We were bickering. Like, you know, the couples were kind of bickering at each other because it was so stressful to have little kids in a restaurant. But if you just judge by Instagram, it was a lovely afternoon. And so that's. Of course, that's the uh, that's what people do. Everyone it's a knows well curated that. portfolio. Yeah, exactly, exactly. This so is, I don't know, kind of a random so, random tangent there. That I mean, so what you're saying exactly about the kids and the great picture and like how it's so perfect. That is exactly what I used to write about before I wrote kids books because my husband and I are rock climbers. We hike a lot. We travel a lot to do the thing that we love. And then we had a kid and we were like, oh, snap. Like, okay, we're still going to do the stuff we want to do, but it's going to be like way more difficult, right? So you see all these parents, all these other like sporty parents, and they're out there at the crag with their kids and they're like having mm -hmm. a great time climbing. And I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. Like, that's such a lie. A like, liar. maybe, yeah, like you did all this work. So, so I started writing about the actuality of doing this with our kid because mm -hmm. I'm like, this is what actually happens. You battle for like an hour to get out the door. 
you finally get out the door, you forget something, you get all the way to the crag, the kid falls asleep. So you have to sit in the car and wait for the nap to be over. You finally get to the crag, you get maybe one climb in maybe and then you have to go. So like only one of us gets to climb the baby is like the priority, right? And then you go home. Mm -hmm. And like the whole time everybody's kicking and screaming, things are a mess, everyone's exhausted. So that was that is exactly what I was trying to do was be like, this is normal. It's not this. Is, people don't just do this. You don't just roll out right. of bed and like, it's fine. You're just like back into your old life. And just just one more thing on that on that note. So I my history or sorry, my family has a history of alcoholism. And so in AA, they talk a lot about like, you know, talking about it and making it known because once you mm -hmm. say it out loud, it no longer has all that power over you. Mm -hmm. So you share it with people, you get it out there, it helps other people, it helps you. It's not as powerful anymore. You know, like mm -hmm. I, as a writer, my my like secret writing um, like embarrassment is I'm a horrible, horrible speller. I'm awful. Without spell check, I would like, it would be so embarrassing to send this stuff out. So thank God for spell check, right? But as a writer, mm -hmm. I should really be a better speller. But talking about it, there are so many other writers out there who are horrible at spelling, right? It's not just me. And there are people who have lots, lots of other kinds of trouble, you know, like dyslexia and all of this other, other stuff that plays right. into it. So talking mm -hmm. about it takes away all that power and it makes everybody feel a little more normal, you know? Yeah. So, and less alone and less alone, yes. you yes. know, and, you know, everyone who, what, yeah, that's definitely another lesson I learned was like at, when at the time in, in the thick of it, I felt like no one else was experiencing this, but now knowing that's, of course, that's not true. Who so many people and very famous, you know, very popular illustrators, some of our most beloved creators in, in the picture book space dealt with depression, anxiety, rejection, like all that stuff. And of course they did. But for whatever reason, people tend to not want to embrace that fact. And they think that something's wrong with them. You know, well, it's, you know, for writers, I mean, you know, you see people tweeting like, oh, I wrote 10,000, not 10,000, no, good for them if they didn't in a day. But like, you know, I wrote, I wrote like 2000 words today. I'm so it's yay for me. And everyone's like, good for you. And that's great. And that is great. But we don't know what they were doing before the 2,000 words. They could have been literally pulling their hair out. They could have been crying on the floor. They could have done laundry twice. And you know, and then you know, done all these other things that we just don't see. You do know you what know? it's like to be a writer. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. There's never a, if you if you walk into a, uh, a creative person's home and it's clean. Procrastinating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was just right. gonna say, yeah, so much gets done while you're trying to write, except oh. for the writing. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> how do you? How did you reorienting on on the podcast it, build it out from the Kelly Light interview days? Because it's, I can't remember how you specifically phrase it global leader in online illustration learning, or yeah, you know, you can do the sales pitch for it. But how do you how do you grow that? The podcast specifically? Sure. Yeah. Illustration department as a whole. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, it started off in 2015. At the time, I was an art director and I would go to conferences and stuff, the same conferences that you guys, have, I'm sure, have attended and uh, as a faculty. And I would always hear the same refrain. One, that illustrators really didn't have an opportunity to, they wanted to sit and actually have a good conversation with somebody who knew something to help them with their portfolios. But at these conferences, to be fair to the conference 
organizers, there's there just isn't enough time. So the portfolio reviews were always like 10 or 15 minutes. You had somebody at the door literally like pointing at their wrist, you know, like mm -hmm. time's up. And you barely even had you barely even found out what their name was, let alone like actually look at a portfolio. So that was always a concern and always a critique and, and a complaint that I would hear often, all the time. And I also, <laughs> also hear that illustrators were treated like, quote, redheaded stepchildren. <laughs> so, you know, you, you have enough of these kinds of conversations. You start thinking like, you know, is there something I can do about this? Hmm. And so at the time, I was into very much into a band called the Radio Department. And I, I still kind of dig their work music, but I don't really listen to them all that much now. But anyway, long story short, I, I was like, you know what? I, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to start, I'm going to put something together really small at where I can like do a one hour portfolio review, a three week workshop for illustration and a three week workshop for picture books. And I called it the illustration department. I think, I think that I thought I, I, I have a very vague memory. I don't know if this is true. This might be just making up stuff to make the boring origin story more like, <laughs> mythological. But, <laughs> yeah, Are there but, dragons coming next? Or? No, there was a lightning. There was a lightning bolt that hit a tree, and then I made a bat out of it. But um, I made a pencil out of it, and then drew yeah. drew with right, a pencil. Right there, you go. But uh, I think it was going to be because my dad's a my dad's a hair a barber. He's a certified barber, and he's a he's actually a world renowned. Uh, champion hairstylist. What? Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thing. Oh yeah. Let's that's a, definitely a, a thing. Let's put a pin in that and circle back because I would like to hear more about that. <laughs> See if he'll be on the podcast. But he uh, he owns he runs a he runs a, a salon in Towson, Maryland called Giuseppe's Hair Studio. His same name. And so I thought Giuseppe's Art Studio might be a good idea, but it just sounded so pretentious. So it was the illustration department. Mm -hmm. And to just to, to your question, Josh, about building it up, you know, it, it you offer something that's simple, that's helpful, mm -hmm. and again, give it time, it will grow. And um, I mean, as far as just building it out, I think that the key, honestly, to anything, whether or not you're building a company or writing a manuscript or putting a portfolio together is, is, uh, frequency and determination, but also discipline, like sticking to it and being, uh, dependable with yourself, like depending on yourself, giving yourself like an accountable, like I'm going to do this. I'm going to stay consistent with it. I'm going to put out information, whether that's art history or free, uh, critique groups or, you know, just, and be consistent with it and give it time and see. And that's, that's honestly, that's really it. There is no like magic bullet to it. Um, and then with the podcast, I think it's just, you know, I, I had, I had a, a collection. I had a, I had a lot of, uh, connections with folks, illustrators, agents, you know, publishers, whoever. And, and so I, you start off with inviting who you know, like you guys are doing. And, and then one, as you build that up, word of mouth kicks in and that helps. Um, but also, again, you just have to be um, consistent with your outreach, whether wh whatever that is through social media or just, you know, whatever. And so that, that's, you know, there's just no like secret sauce to it. You just mm. put something out that is genuinely your own that you want to do again, this applies everywhere to everything mm -hmm. and uh, be consistent with it. Give it time to see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, not to oversimplify, but it's the same basic message as, as anxiety and depression and sitting with those things is give them, 
give them time, sit with them, be intentional about them, give them time and good things will happen. Betsy Bird will come. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I gotta say there's uh, this is going to sound pretentious, but you know what? I don't care. Um, We'll cut it if it sounds. (laughs) I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what though. One of the things that depression has gifted me is uh, not giving so much of, of a darn about what people think about mm. about you. Anyways, in the thick of things, an illustrator by her name is June. Hi, June, if you're listening, sent me this quote by Marcus Aurelius. If you allow me, because I think it's a beautiful quote. I've had it. I've committed it to memory because I've at the time it really just helped me connect with like the passage of time, giving time to yourself to do whatever it is that you want to do. And it goes like this. Time is like a river made up of the events which happen, and a, and it's a violent stream. For as soon as a thing has been seen, it is carried away, and another comes in its place, and this will be carried away too. And that, to me, makes so much sense, especially when I'm feeling depressed. It will pass. Yeah. Something else will take its place. And usually, in my experience, something positive. I think too, you know, like you guys both said, it applies to everything, but I think 75% of life is just showing up. Like if you just keep coming, like you either will, you know, wear the person down or you will, you know, get your foot in the door or there will be time that has passed. I have gotten a lot of jobs that I am not qualified for at all because I showed up and I like went through with it where a lot of other applicants were like, oh, maybe I should back off here. And I'm like, why? The worst that's going to happen is they're going to tell me no, right? And I'll be in the same yeah. spot I was when I started. So like, right. I got all kinds of opportunities by just showing up. Like, I mean, that you know, you just keep yeah. doing it. Like with the podcast, you know, we're like, okay, we're got, we've gotten consistent now. We have a system down and we're, you know, building, 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 and we just keep doing it. And I think at some point people are going to be like, I'm going to have to listen to this because they're not going to stop talking about it. So, okay, fine. Like, you know, and so that's kind how you of, get them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? kind of. Yes. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> and it's not anything novel. It's like, it's like anything you know, you watch mm-hmm. enough TV, you see the same ads over and over and over and over again. And then eventually you're like, maybe I should change to progressive, you know, right. like, you know what I mean? So it's just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just this like yeah. constant drip. And, it, and the more you do it, the more it becomes familiar and then the more it becomes familiar, then people can then possibly pardon the violent metaphor here, like pull the trigger, pull the trigger. And you know, maybe I will listen, yeah. you know, and, it, and, and you guys will find this and you maybe, maybe have already found this to be true. One of the great things about podcasting, and I recommend podcasting. I think anybody can do it and should do it if they want to. It's 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 a really interesting format. I mean, because of the, this, this decision to start a podcast, I've had conversations with people that like, I there's no way I would have been, I would have had conversations with them in, in any other way. And some of them are like genuine heroes of mine, you know, like, mm. you know, Ashley Bryan, who recently passed. That conversation, I mean, he talked about storming the beaches of Normandy. So I had a conversation with somebody about storming the beaches of Normandy. And it wasn't just someone. It was Ashley Bryan. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone thinks of him as like, you know, he's he's a, one of the great children's book creators of all time. And we talked a lot about racism. And, and you know, Hillary Knight. We talked about how Kay Thompson probably stole the Eloise painting <laughs> from uh, from that hotel. You know, and it, so you learn about all, this, all these different kinds of things. It goes on and on. Jim McMullen, Martin Salisbury, Anita Coons. I mean, it, 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 
Uri Shulovitz. I mean, it's David McCulley. It goes on and on. And, and the one, one of the things I found to be uh, comforting is that none of them were like, oh, no, I, I wanted to be an illustrator and then I became one and it was great. Mm, yeah. Of course not. <laughs> of course that's not how it works. <laughs> so anyways, I, I, I'm happy for you guys. I'm actually kind of excited just to see how the verse show grows. Um, by the way, is it the verse show or is it you may contribute a verse? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, maybe I can tell, maybe I can tell this story um, about how this came to be. I don't think I've ever mm-hmm. shared this on the show. I'll acknowledge before I get into this, uh, that you breaking and I, news. Giuseppe has ha- yeah. a, a old, old breaking news. We've been negotiating this appearance on this podcast for two years now, <laughs> since yeah. shortly after <laughs> Kelly ha- had yeah. appeared on the podcast. Yeah. We connected mm-hmm. on, uh, on Twitter and then it didn't happen. And, you know, to your point about sticking, sticking with it. Uh, I, I think one of the things that I struggled with early on is the thing that you nailed from the get go with the illustration department is a thesis. Um, when I sat down and talked to, um, folks in the early days of the podcast, it had a different name and it was unfocused. Uh, my aim was, you know what? I don't know. I've got kids and I've got a professional life. I don't know if I'm going to be able to deliver on this creative mm-hmm. stuff. Why don't I sit down and just like you said, have conversations with some folks that I respect and admire and who could share their wisdom with other people. And maybe that could be my contribution. It ended up starting with Kelly, uh, encouraging mm-hmm. me to actually be intentional about my creativity. Um, to your specific question, you're not interviewing me, but I happen to. <laughs> no, I'm not answering. I'm answering an interview question. Um, to, to your specific point, um, the the original name of the podcast was "What It Takes to Make," uh, mm. going along with the thesis of outlining people's struggles and going through their stories for mm-hmm. how they got to be where they are today. Uh, turns out that trod on some copyright that I was not uh, ready to fight. And so I quickly had to take that name down, change the branding and go with something else. And mm-hmm. in the process of doing that, um, I came across the Walt Whitman poem, Oh Me, O Life, which perfectly uh-huh. encapsulated the sentiment that I wanted to imbue into this podcast from the get-go which is all about, you know, why would I bother to struggle? Why would I go through this process of creating something new in the world? And the the culmination of the poem is, this very last line is, you may contribute a verse. The point of it is, because you're here, because uh, you've got power, you've got agency, you've got things to say, and words to put down, and art to create, and, uh, yeah. and, and what you've got is powerful. So, the answer to your question is you may contribute a verse is the full name of the podcast, but it's too long to put on social media. So we shorten it. So, okay. <laughs> but you know, that's that the story, <laughs> you know, that poem that the right before you, and you may contribute a verses and the play goes on, you know, it's yep. like, well, why, why do I even, why should I even bother? Well, cause the play goes on. It's like, the Marcus yeah. Aurelius thing. It's the river, the river right. keeps flowing. Yep. Yep. Yep, yep, and yep. you can you can be a part of it or you cannot, right? Like it's gonna go on regardless. Yeah. So do you want to be yeah. a piece of this? Like, do you want to like? Not to, yeah. Yeah. Not to yeah. make like a jump in the river sort of analogy. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 No. It's dark, but <laughs> um, you know, it's I, I find there there's a lesson there. There's a you know again for, just for folks listening, you know, you pivoted, you pivoted, and that's okay. It's totally fine to pivot, and you know, it, with illustration, with writing it's okay to pivot. It's okay to change styles. It's okay to change formats. Oh, I want to be a picture book writer, but then you realize you can't write picture books, but you know what you can write middle grade or vice versa mm-hmm. or whatever. 
And um, I think this was in one of your episodes where you asked someone about, you know, how do you pivot? Maybe it was with, um, oh gosh, I don't remember who it was with, but you know, something you asked about like, how do you pivot stylistically or with your work, you know, mm-hmm. and how do you turn left or right? And I just think, I think, I think creative people shouldn't just think of their journey um, as linear. You know, there's a lot of ups and downs. I think it's honestly in lefts and rights. It's the, <laughs> it's like the Wonka Vader. I mean, your, your career sh- goes in all directions. It can go in all directions at once. And it's okay if it does that, it's, you know, like look at, look at like Charles Schultz. If you just think of peanuts, you obviously th- you, you, everyone, all of us are imagining peanuts and we're probably imagining peanuts in similar, in the similar, like sort of the 19, like the late version of what peanuts, when we grew up, what peanuts look like. But if you look at the very first peanuts comics, nothing like what we now think of as peanuts, it mm-hmm. morphed, it changed. It's okay to evolve. And that's a, one of the things I consistently see with illustrators when I talk to them is it, it's like, they think it's no, no, no. I have to decide what my style is. Mm-hmm. I have to, I have to plan my career out today and it's going to then be forever what I decide. And that's not just not the way it works. Yeah. It's funny because that, that exact thing is, so if I, I feel like if there aren't a bunch of ideas like pouncing around in my head, or I don't have like a middle grade novel, like in the back corner or like a graphic novel over here that I'm thinking about, I get really bored. So if it's not, if my Wonka Vader isn't going all over the place, <laughs> I tend to like, I tend to have a real struggle because I'm just like, yeah. well, you know, I've done that voice or that was really fun, but I feel like I figured this, you know, this out, like this clever story or, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's clever right. <laughs> to anyone else. Well, but yeah, I like to have all that stuff going on, which is also one of the real positives of being, you know, having that creative outlet. Like I get to choose, like I can do whatever I want. I don't have mm-hmm. to, I don't have to be a picture book writer. I could write middle grade. I could start to draw, I guess, you know, like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Ultimately, you know, it would be awesome. I would love to be a writer for like Adventure Time or Bluey or any of those would be so fun. <laughs> Man- How fun manifest. Would that be? Mm-hmm. I'm putting it out there because I think yeah. that would be the best job ever. It's, right. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. 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 It could be I a mean, you know, too. think as creatively about where you your work could go or where your career could go as you do about the work itself. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, and ultimately, I mean, one of the things that I've learned is that the folks who are probably wrongly considered the gatekeepers of the publishing industry value that diversity. It's it's establish your voice on one hand, but also establish Mm -hmm. diversity of what you're able to deliver and the value that you're able to create for these big corporations that want to commodify you. Yeah. When it comes to the gatekeepers thing, it's um, it's dangerous to paint paint the gatekeeper topic with a broad stroke because everyone's different, very, very different. Even editors within the same imprint think differently about what they want to see or art directors in the same group think differently about what they want to see. Same goes with agents, agents of the same agency. You could submit your stuff to one agent and they think you suck and they submit it to the, their partner, their friend, their colleague, and they think it's great. You know, so you just don't know. You just obviously (laughs) the, the, the lesson here is to get your stuff out there as much as humanly possible and tr- mm-hmm. and just see and try it and, th- and widen the, those possibilities. You just never know. So I want to hit on another point of um, 
what what I wish I could do that you do. This the this is the Instagram the grass is greener on the other side thing, uh, th- mm. and something that I've tried to do as someone with a background in journalism um, that you do very very well. I think we've covered it a little bit in in terms of how you started doing the podcast and your Instagram feed where you're curating art history and understanding the stories that are behind some of the most iconic illustrations. I mean, going back to the top of the conversation, we talked about the Betsy Bird episode that you did in 2020. You guys mm-hmm. are, she's a wealth of knowledge. I mean, you're oh. a wealth of oh. knowledge. I mean, you're back and forth mm-hmm. with these industry stories and you've internalized so much information. Um, one of the things that I wish I could do that, that you do very well is internalize history, internalize talking points and notes and things that you, mm-hmm. that you want to cover. And the, the, the podcast, the interviewer question that I have around that is, do you, do you feel that that's critical context to enable these well-informed conversations with your guests? How could it not be? You know, like so much of what goes on in publishing, good and bad, has already happened. Mm-hmm. You know, like right these days, we're talking about uh, mouse being banned uh, from that Tennessee school district. But the bannings happened all the time. It's it's and it will continue to happen. And I what I'm the thing that I that I mean, I, I take a lot away from reading up on illustrators histories and, and the stories behind the stories and, and putting it together in a way that, you know, it's just easy to read. It's Instagram. You, you take a couple minutes, you read it. And now you're like, holy crap. I didn't know that, you know. I don't know. Peggy Rathman was 36 when she started her career. You know what I mean? But, and I'm 36 and I was feeling bad about being 36 and not having a career. But now I know that Peggy Rathman started at 36. So now I feel bad about myself. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. there are plenty of, plenty of examples like that. Uh, Who was it? Leo Leone started his children's book career when he was 50. Uh, There's another illustrator. Her last name is going to escape me. Uh, Adams, Adrian Adams. She won two Caldecott honors in her late 50s, early 60s. And that's kind of when she started her career. So just, you know, but like then, so then you take all of this history and you, those are obviously there are lessons that that can be learned from it. What was, what was going on in book banning in the 80s? What was going on in Mm -hmm. the 60s? Uh, Diversity in publishing. We're talking about like how white publishing is. That was being discussed in the 60s and even before that. And there are criticisms of books being racist was happening then and now, and hopefully won't in the future, but I'm not hopeful about that. I think Mm, there will be continued blind spots and things that people are just going to post. That's just, you know, whatever. Here's another, here's a quick example. So like, um, Ezra Jack Keats, you know, everyone knows him and, uh, the snowy day came out and, and it was heralded and, as this book and it, the character just happened to be black. Peter just happened to be black and he had a wonderful day and that's great. But at the time, a book critic by the name of Nancy Larrick said it was racist because Ezra Jack Keats depicted Peter's mother as this uh, stereotypically harmful depiction of like an Aunt Jemima type. Hmm. And he kind of bit back a little. He's like, you know, I, I wish you wouldn't impress upon me the thoughts in your mind, basically mm-hmm. saying, uh, uh, excuse me, lady, I'm not the racist one here. You are. And it, and it affected him. It, it pissed him off, you know? Yeah. So those, and those conversations were happening in the sixties, how white is publishing in the sixties, how white is publishing in the eighties. And so when we talk about 
that kind of thing. Now we can at least have the context and go, well, I mean, it's kind of a negative one. Like, wow, we've been talking about this for 65 years. Can we, can we move things along? You know? Yeah. So the answer to your question, I mean, how could you not learn these lessons? And because they, they repeat over and over and over again. Which is on one hand dismaying, but on the other hand, uh, allows you to build on what's come before, I suppose. Um, how much of having worked as an art director informs your approach to uh, to the conversations that you have? You know, there was a lot of things I loved about being an art director. I think it was as natural to me as breathing. It, it truly was my dream job. I just, it just, I never felt like I was going to work, not once. And I never felt uh, stressed by it. I never felt like I was being taken advantage of. It, it just, I walked into work and it was a second home. It was just, it's I fun. just found it to be so joyful. And it, one of the, one of my favorite parts of it was building a team. One of my, texting my, one of my former designers the other day, and she referred to the team as a found family, which I felt pretty proud of because that's mm-hmm. kind of what I was going for. Like we were all in it together. And so there's just so many, so many great takeaways from being an art director. But if I were to only pick one, it was 100% working with and talking to illustrators about their work, about what they could do to maybe enhance what they're already doing. Um, and just, lit- I mean, how exciting is it when you guys, um, was it Maddie Frost who, who uh, uh, created the uh, icon for your podcast? Yep. Yeah. Just yep. on an offhand request. <laughs> it was yeah. an offhand request, right? How exactly. cool was that? You were like, you know, could you like illustrate something for us? And then boom, now it's, now it exists. And, and then she yeah. said on Twitter that, that we're friends too. Yeah, <laughs> no, we're friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? So like <laughs> telling an illustrator like, hey, you know, here's this concept I have. I don't know. Like maybe this goes here and that goes here. I don't know. Here you go. Let's see it. And then they come up with this thing that is now a thing and it that so that's always that's always been interesting to me anyway so uh, that what the illustration department really is 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 just that element that one element of being an art director talking to illustrators reviewing portfolios ask like working with them on their objectives and um and you know one of the when i used to give talks by the way this is my first public talk in years years um so wow I, i feel so honored yeah, yeah really. I mean, well, you know, you know, Josh asked me, and I was just like, nope, 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 and now I'm like, yeah, yeah. it took right, two sure. years. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I wore you down. It was <laughs> after my silence. I, there you go. You wore me down. Exactly. It was after um, I joined the podcast, Josh. I'm, I'm the one who put mm-hmm. him over. <laughs> Josh, you need that co that co host draw. Yeah, that's, that's she's she's speaking facts I'm, there, Josh. I'm, I'm sorry to say. But one of the things I like to say about being an art director at these conferences was like, if you raised your hand as high as it could go, like, I'm not going to do it with you guys, but raise for folks listening, just give it a try. Raise your hand as high as it could possibly go. And then everyone in the conference room would, would raise their hand and I'd say, okay, raise it one more inch. And then they all would. And I'm like, that is that, that is what an art director does or a good one. Anyway, they, they, they see the good in what you do and they take it just that one half step further. And that's really how much I, I mean, that's really, I just took that into the illustration department and that's really what we've done. And I mean, I know this is going to sound self-serving, but it's something I'm proud of. And I, Mm -hmm. so I, I'm going to own when things are good, you know, you have to acknowledge. And this is, that's a whole other thing about publishing. Like there are so many different measures of success 
you know, there isn't just one measure. You can create a piece of art and if no one ever sees it ever, that has value. Or you create a piece of art and your kids see it that has other value. Or maybe then an agent sees it and represents you and then there's that value. So there's there are multiple layers of value that, you know, I don't think people really buy into. I don't know, maybe, but yeah. I mean, it's one of, it, it's, it's surprising to me because again, Sarah and I are still like, how is this working? This works. We're, we did think something that actually works. What? But I mean, since, since we started it in 2015, illustrators of all kinds, I mean, numbering in the thousands have signed up and we've had folks teach character design like Kelly Light and color theory, like Pixar art director, Noah Klocek and contract oh, wow. negotiation with uh, Emily Keys, who now has her own, her own agency. And these illustrators and writers have signed on and they've gone on to sign with literary agents or art reps. They've gotten book deals. They've worked with dream editorial clients mm-hmm. and, or, or they've just simply otherwise taken positive steps, just real positive steps forward. One of one of, I think our greatest success stories has to be, there was this illustrator. She's based out of Norway. She's originally from China. And uh, she and I were working on a book dummy together and she sold it and she's got a two book deal and it was close to six figures. And that it was, I know, again, I know this is self-serving. I know it is, but I'm proud of it. And it, it could not have happened to a more deserving illustrator. I don't even know where I'm going with all of this, but I, all of this is to simply say, you know, being an art director, having, having conversations with illustrators, it's just fun. I mean, it's just, it's just my, it's just how I, I don't know. It's like find what you love and that's what I love. It's moving forward and it's helping as many people as possible raise their arms uh, just a little bit higher uh, to reach. And I'll be damned if that isn't the most poignant thing. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the that's got to play. Yeah, that's yeah. got to play really well in conferences. Uh, that sort of it, interaction. It did. It did. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It did. But it's true. I just, and I, I stole it from, you know, when, when you're like at a sort of a managerial level at these, at these corporations, you know, you have, you, sometimes you have to go to these uh, seminars to help make you a better manager. And I stole that from someone, I can't remember his name, but he talked to us a lot about like what it takes to be a good manager. And that's what that was. And I was like, well, that's what it takes to be a good art director. That, I mean, what you said too, I mean, it's the perfect analogy. And it also, I feel like it so represents, you know, at any level, like our critique partners, you know, that's what they do too. They can see what you're trying to say. And they're like, what about, you know, turn or, turn the words around this way, use more action here, like be more succinct, all of that. And everybody's just trying to do a little bit better. And mm-hmm. just just one thing I wanted to add to what you said about even if you create something and nobody else ever sees it, it still has value. So my four-year-old has started, we have started traveling in the car with him. He has in his little cup holder, is not a cup, it's filled with markers and crayons and pencils. And he has mm-hmm. a notebook and it's just for him. And he spends the whole time coloring and drawing things. And the other day, so I was being dropped off. I had a, um, I was doing a, a race, like an obstacle race. And so I got dropped off and my husband and my son went back home. My husband or my son was really upset that I was going to be gone for the day. And so he immediately took out his notebook 
and started he drew a picture of me and then himself and he he showed me he's like mama see and I was crying and the tears are really sad and you know he's really laying it on real thick but it <laughs> never was, again now I want to treat right all right but it was I've seen him do this though and it legitimately like he can put his feelings here and then he's like you know he's like okay he can like sort of separate mm-hmm. and move on and that is the value I mean so much so much comes out creatively that there is no place for anywhere else. You know what I mean? Like for him to be able to deal with those really big emotions at four in his notebook is so helpful for everybody. Cause if he gets Mm -hmm. upset and has a meltdown, like I very, very like rarely can talk him down from it. He needs to like have the time or, you know, punch the pillows or whatever it is and then come down. But if he can draw about it, it's like, I'm almost immediate that he feels better because it's like mm-hmm. out of him, which is how I feel about writing. I've been writing and keeping journals since I was like eight. I found some of them the other day and I was like, this is ridiculous. Are you kidding? Like, this is just like <laughs> the piles and piles and piles of journals. But that's right. how I've always felt too. these big emotions. If I can put them down somewhere and like take them out of like my own brain and move on, then I feel better. So mm-hmm. there's a lot to be said about creating for the sake of creating. Yeah. And, you know, of course people want to sell their stuff. Of course they do. And of course getting an agent's great. And of course getting published is great. Yes. And, you know, it's all fine and good to say, you know, do a drawing and that has value and good for you. And, and, and while they're, you know, struggling to pay their bills, you know, that's, mm-hmm. however, what I've found, what I'm seeing fairly consistently is that people have, they place zero value. It's not that it has the same about same value. It's just different, but they place zero value on it. Well, you know, I, what did you do all day? Well, I, you know, illustrated and Mm. wrote and stuff, but no one saw it. And I got zero likes on Instagram. And then so like Mm. to heck with it. I'm like, no, 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 Mm -mm. that's not, there are multiple levels of value assessment. And I think, I think the sooner everyone embraces that, the healthier their brains will be. Everything, I mean, again, not to make this unifying theme for the entire conversation, although it seems to be emerging. I mean, everything is flowing down that river. It's all part of the river, even if it doesn't get a like, it's still mm-hmm. part of the yeah. journey. Yeah. You know, just to stick yeah. with the <laughs> stick with the river thing, you know, sometimes it's going to be white water and <laughs> lots of rocks. You're going to hit your head and it's going to suck. It'll be painful, but just stay afloat. That's right. Yeah. Well, Giuseppe, can you tell us, you know, tell everybody where to find you and how to access all of these incredible classes and portfolio and to talk with you? Yeah, I will. Um, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what's the, your direct line? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, to get no, 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 I will. you offered, you know, one-on-one portfolios and to get yeah. to your class. That's all I mean. So- <laughs> no, 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 I get you. No, no, I get you. But, um, this is something that I've also learned that maybe you guys can like learn from my mistakes because I've made like a thousand billion mistakes with the podcast. Uh, you know, this first couple episodes, you can barely hear me. And 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 I, one time, I don't know if you guys have had this experience, but I had like Google uh, Chrome up and I had like a meet uh, window or whatever up. And so it was it was it, it had hijacked my sound. So as I was talking, the Google Meet window was adjusting the sound oh. as I was talking. So when I rec- finally listened to the recording, I mean, it was terrible. It was like, <laughs> it was terrible. Anyway, um, 
but learn from my lessons, <laughs> learn from my mistakes. And one of the mistakes, I, I still think my the way I end my podcasts isn't great because I'm like, okay, so here's what you can do. You can visit the website of the guest and you can go over here and then become a patron and do all the, and like click, mm. click, click here, all these. And anyway, I, I still need to work that out. But to your question, I'm just going to give one link and then everything okay. and everything, <laughs> everything is there. And that is illustration, D-E-P-T.com. That's it. Perfect. If you want to go Perfect. see our socials, if you want to check out the forum, if you want to do the, see the podcast, it's all just there. One link. <laughs> I, we came we came recently to the conclusion that nobody listens to the very end of a podcast episode. I think so too. <laughs> yeah. I think so we so just too. recorded it. We recorded. This is too much sausage making. We recorded a standard outro that nobody's going to listen to. Just to <laughs> like you said, just the, the like why why record extra stuff? I think that's true. Yeah. I really do. You know, you have you seen the like any analytics? Like you can see the percentage of um, yeah. people listening to your percentage, and it's like eighty seven percent or ninety two percent or seventy five percent. You're like, yeah, they skip the end. They definitely skip the end. <laughs> yeah. I'm a podcast listener too. I get it for sure. Yeah, I, yeah, right. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, can I take this opportunity just to thank you guys? I mean, this is I I'm, I'm going to say I was crazy nervous, crazy nervous. And uh, oh. like almost the, like a week ago, I true story. I was going to email you, Josh, and be like, I can't do this. Oh, you were going to ghost me again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad um, you didn't. I'm glad. Oh, no, but my anxieties. So I'm so glad you didn't. Well, it's yeah, it's, it's it's just been really a pleasure. And I I kind of I don't know, just I just want to say thanks. That's it. Well, thank it's you, our thank pleasure. You yeah, to this you. has been yeah, really great. Really, yeah. I very much enjoyed it. We really appreciate all your time. It was, yeah. I'd love to have you on again. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we didn't even talk about like all of your knowledge as an illustrated, or uh, sorry, as an illustrator, uh, director, depart, you know, like a department head. We didn't even get to that. We got to sort of like the meat of the other stuff. So if you'd like uh, to come we, on again, we yeah. would love it. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? Another two years, right, Josh? Yeah, right. Yeah, we'll see you in 2024. Great. Flames. I will we decline might, yeah. five or six invitations and then we'll do it. Then we'll do it. But yeah, keep uh, up that just makes you a high profile. Oh, thanks. Oh, please, yeah, it's please. been a lot of fun. Yeah, you guys are doing really well. Seriously, I, I listened, I've listened to everyone and uh, it's oh, it's wow. been a lot of fun. And you guys are just like, keep it light and you keep it real. That's something that. I, again, this is a broad stroke and it's a completely unknowable thing, but podcasts in this kidlit space tend to hype hope mm. way too much. Like anybody can do it. There's a conference, which I will not name, um, which refers to folks who are not published as pre-published as if everyone is going to get published. You're just pre-published, but you'll get published. You're, but that's just not the reality. Mm. It would be great if it was, but it's not. And there are these, so there are some podcasts that are like, and this is great. Oh my God, you're so great. And that's great. And they don't talk about the reality of it. And you guys do. And I want to just call that out because it's important. It's all a struggle, but it's all worth it. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's my pleasure. Thanks, guys. You may contribute a verse. Thanks for listening this week. Find out more about us and our guests and the artists behind our cover and theme music at our websites, verse.show.com. Renagenerat.com and joshmoncords.com. See you next verse. Bye.